Hi. We're still in January, right? And the tradition in Centers for Spiritual Living, in many centers follow this tradition where we go back to basics in January. That's why our theme is boot, Root and Reboot. And uh, we look at the first four chapters of the book, The Science of Mind. And those four chapters are the thing itself, the way it works, what it does, and how to use it. And on this Wednesday evening at our Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m., I'm going to go through a paraphrase in modern English of the first chapter. So if you want to come along and and read that chapter in a reduced, clarified way, come on Wednesday evening and enjoy some snacks and tea, and we'll do that. Now, for this morning, we're going to dive into that last chapter, how to use it. And the first question on my mind is, what is it? What's the it? And of course, if you've been around here for a while, you know that it refers to the living spirit almighty, or the creator, or divinity, or life itself, whatever you want to call it, that's what it is. And then the question is, how to use it? How do I use it? And I got to tell you, when I first heard that question, that phrase, how to use it, I, I was a little startled. Because from my upbringing, that seemed presumptuous. Um, and I thought to myself, shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't the question, the correct question on my mind was, how does the creator use me? I should get clear on that. And so it wasn't until I learned more about how Centers for Spiritual Living understands the divine that the question started to make sense to me. And so the first thing I had to do was I had to drop my early understanding of God. I had to drop it. I I mean, altogether. Everything had to be updated. I I had to start with a blank slate. And Centers for Spiritual Living taught me to be curious about the nature of this thing called life and the power that is in it everywhere and how to live in harmony with it and not live against it, and how to use it to create beauty and connections and love. And so instead of learning how to worship a divinity out there, I started to learn how to respect the holiness that life is in me and around me. (sighs) Perhaps you remember the first Star Wars movie. Anybody? (laughs) In it, Obi-Wan Kenobi explains to Luke Skywalker what the Force is. Now, it's not exactly the same as our concept of divinity, but oh, when I heard that, it helped me understand this idea of how to use it. Not in a disrespectful, selfish way, but in a collaborative way. 
by honoring what it is in me and using what I was created to be. A mind that can create. A heart that can love. An imagination that can think. An intuition that can guide. I had to learn how to use that. So Obi-Wan Kenobi says to Luke, the force is what gives a Jedi their power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. (laughs) And then in a conversation with Princess Leia in the more recent series, Obi-Wan Kenobi asks her if she's ever felt afraid of the dark. And then he asks how she feels when she turns on the light and she answers, I feel safe. And right there is a great starting point for understanding how to use it. It's like turning on the light. Because when I turn on the light, the dark is dissipated. So the question then is, How may I turn the light on? And today's topic gives us a clue. The topic is by singing with gratitude. Or if singing is not your skill, just expressing gratitude is the clue. Because gratitude is one of those things. It's one of the ways that we can use this power that life is in us. Now, I know for me, and maybe it's the same for you, that when I get into gratitude, it is like turning on a light in my heart. And when the light is on, I can see better. Brightens my whole outlook on life. It changes my mood. It changes my mind. It improves how I move through life. I bump into fewer things. It helps me make better choices and deeper connections. I was poking around online yesterday and I found the website, thebestbrainpossible.com. And on it, it tells about a study that shows how even brief expressions of gratitude may have profound and lasting effects on me, on you. Profound and lasting effects on our neural activity and how it can change the pattern of my thinking. And so it confirmed for me the experience I already have with gratitude. And maybe this is true for you too. First, when I get into expressing gratitude, it helps even if I don't do it out loud, even if I don't share it with people, even if I do it silently or in a private journal, I still tend to be better, happier, more satisfied when gratitude has a place in my life. Secondly, when I do write down gratitude, It acts like um, compound interest. I may not see the beneficial effects immediately, but it 
collects, it gathers, it compounds. And then over time, I noticed the return on my investment far outpaces the investment. And thirdly, practicing gratitude trains my brain. It creates a kind of positive feedback loop just in the same way that persistent pessimistic thinking creates patterns of the same in my thinking. So having read all that today, I'm feeling encouraged to keep on practicing even brief expressions of gratitude. So take a moment with me right now to think of something or someone you are grateful for. I wish you could see your faces. I wish I could see your faces at home. I'm guessing the same thing happened. I saw immediate softening and a smile. You know, I'm thinking right now of Project Sleep Warm, which is one of our ministries at the center. I was here at the center yesterday in the building at a meeting, and after the meeting, I wandered around, and I went into the room upstairs where Project Sleep Warm does its thing, and I stumbled upon a group of quilters and sewers working with focus and joy. They almost didn't even notice me coming into the room. They were creating comforters and sleeping bags for the unsheltered women and children who are clients of the living room which has been one of our nonprofit partners. So I got to speak with Brenda Coburn, who is one of our longtime members and one of the sewing team members. And she told me that the team, they never get to see the people who receive these comforters and sleeping bags. But they know through the living room staff that there is always a need. So they keep on sewing. And they keep on sewing. And then she told me something that I didn't know, that I'm super grateful for. She told me that every comforter sleeping bag has with it, when it's delivered, a hand-knitted teddy bear. Knitted by our member Janet Dupree and our beloved late Ushi Schnell, who passed away. And so now every time I think of those colorful hand-sewn comforters and blankets, I can in my mind imagine a hand-knitted, kindness-infused teddy bear. And just the thought of it causes me to feel so much gratitude that such loving kindness exists. And it also helps me to understand why gratitude is such an important part of our prayer tradition at Centers for Spiritual Living. Indeed, our founder, whose birthday was yesterday, Dr. Ernest Holmes, he talks about gr gratitude as one of the most important sentiments that we can get into. And he encouraged us to practice it so that we can turn on our inner lights and dispel the, dispel the darkness. And he encouraged us to practice feeling gratitude in advance of having our prayers answered before we even get what we want. 
without having everything sorted out, because he had this idea, and I think he's right, that gratitude is what turns on the light. You know, when I'm doing my prayer work, when I'm praying according to our tradition at Centers for Spiritual Living, I'm not asking for something. I'm using my imagination to get into that mindset of what it would be like to already have the thing I'm praying about. To imagine it as already done. And then to even have the feeling of gratitude, to give thanks for it as if it were already in my life. I was explaining this practice to a student in a class and he was not impressed. And he said, that just sounds like make-believe or worse, self-delusion. And I said, you know, that's an excellent point. (laughs) And I'm not interested in anything that doesn't feel authentic. I'm not. But what I am interested in is something that I read on another website, theverywellmind.com. And on that site, it reports that it is very well known now that the act of smiling triggers brain chemicals that are related to positivity and well-being, even if the smile isn't 100% genuine. I learned on that site that if I mimic the facial muscular movement of smiling, it's enough to generate positive emotions. And on the site, they suggest getting a pencil, if this is hard for you to do, and putting it in your mouth and just keep it there because it makes you do smile-like motions. (laughs) Now, of course, the technique, these techniques are not intended to cover symptoms of depression or persistent anxiety. It's not intended to create like a, a society of fake niceness. No. In fact, it's, it's already known that customer service agents who are forced to smile, they do not enjoy the same benefits as genuine smiling practice that is infused with an intention to get somewhere. So in general, though, the physical act of smiling, not only does it create internal positive feelings, but also causes the person smiling to have a shift in perspective about the world that they're living in. They tend to view the world in a more upbeat way. It's based on a study in South Australia. And this is similar to the practice of feeling and generating gratitude before it is felt 100% present. So the idea is to get into the physical act by saying it, by writing it, by expressing it, by feeling it where you can, because that alone can generate something powerful in my life. I was also reminded on the website, The Very Well Mind, about the difference between realistic optimism and unrealistic optimism. 
you know, realistic optimism, hopes for the best, but does not detach from life's realities and duties and challenges. Unrealistic optimism ignores all of those things, duties and challenges and dangers and actions that are necessary to take and just focuses on the good alone. Hmm. A good reminder, I thought. And I was also reminded about a gratitude practice that I've known about for a very long time, but it's so easy to forget to practice it. And it's this. To enjoy and appreciate the small things, the obvious things, well, though obvious, very easy to overlook. Like, for example, being alive. Like the way the morning feels. Like the taste of what I'm eating and the, oh, the incredible privilege of having something to eat. Or the smell of coffee. Like the feeling in this community we are creating together. Or the feeling in me when I receive a kind-hearted email from a friend who sees me. Or like the feeling of hot water in the shower. Or the sensation of a new pair of socks worn for the first time. Or an encouraging smile from someone who cares about me. Or finding a few minutes to reread an old favorite book like it's the first time. <laughs> or watching a TV show that I love and then discovering there's a whole new season on Netflix and watching it all at once. <laughs> or like the image of the warmth that comes from snuggling under a handmade blanket or sleeping bag that has with it a knitted teddy bear given by a stranger who cares to someone who needs it. And to be realistic, gratitude can be challenging when the world is challenging. You know, this is Chinese New Year and we had another mass shooting in Los Angeles. I'm trying to even pretend things are great right now can seem ridiculous. Ignoring the frustration and the fear and the anger in our society, that's not healthy. And yet, simultaneously, our spiritual teaching and science through studies, keeps on suggesting that finding ways to authentically connect with gratitude, even in difficult times, especially in difficult times, is a very important and healthy practice, spiritually and socially, because it turns on the light. And because it makes us resilient so that we can spring back and because it unlocks things in us like courage and strength. 
And maybe that's why the Roman philosopher Cicero describes gratitude not only as the greatest of the virtues, but as the parent of all other virtues. So to recap, we're talking about the thing itself, which is the living spirit almighty or life itself. And today we're talking about how to use it by activating gratitude. Because when we do, we can expect some beneficial results. For example, our relationships strengthen. Psychology Today, which I read frequently, reports that whenever you have an interaction with a friend or a romantic partner, the feeling you have when you walk away sets the stage for the next interaction with that person. And so here's the entry point. In this way, we can use gratitude to help strengthen relationships by pausing and saying either out loud or silently, thank you to everyone. And I like to include in the practice the people that I'm not in direct relationship with, but who are working very hard every day to keep you and me safe, fed, and healthy in the food industry, our frontline workers, our teachers, parents, and volunteers say thank you in my heart. So I want to share a story with you about Borghild Dahl, a woman who wanted to be able to see but she was practically blind for half a century, in fact. She writes, I had only one eye, and it was so covered with dense scars that I had to do all of my seeing through one small opening in the left eye only. I could see a book only by holding it up so close to my face and by straining my one eye as hard as I could to the left. She didn't want pity for her condition, and as a child she didn't even seek out acknowledgement for what was wrong. What she really wanted was to play hopscotch with the children in the neighborhood. But she couldn't see the markings on the sidewalk. So after the other children went home, she would get down on her hands and knees on the sidewalk and crawl along to memorize the marks and where they were so she could play. And she also did all her reading at home because she had to get so close to the book that her eyelash literally brushed against the page. And nevertheless, this way, she managed to earn two college degrees and rose from being a teacher to a college professor and did that for 13 years. She writes, In the back of my mind, there had always lurked a fear of total blindness. To overcome this, I had adopted a cheerful, almost hilarious attitude toward life. Then something happened. 52 years of age, a procedure became available and she went to an operation at the Mayo Clinic and was, as a result of this new technology, she was able to see about 45% better sight than she had before. And to her, 
a new and exciting world of loveliness opened up before her. Then she found ordinary things thrilling to do, like washing the dishes, about which she writes, I began to play with the white, white fluffy suds in the dishpan. I dip my hands into them, and I pick up a ball of tiny soap bubbles. I hold them up against the light, and in each of them, I can see the brilliant colors of a miniature rainbow. And finding such beauty, ecstasy, really, in soap bubbles, she wrote this. Dear Lord, our Father in heaven, I thank thee. I thank thee. Now, her story touches me. It's made me think of all of the days, all of the years, I have been living in an abundance of beauty and not noticed. And so it has inspired me to count my blessings again and to use a very simple practice that many people use. I don't even know who invented it. It's this, to name three things you are grateful for every day. Whether you write that down or just make a note to do it silently in the morning. So to get us started, if you wish to participate, I'm inviting you right now to take a breath in and to let your eyes close. And whether your eyes are closed or not, I invite you to think of three people who you are grateful for in your life. And as a follow-up, just make a mental note or ask yourself, when last did I let them know? Now I invite you to take a breath in. And as you exhale, I invite you to think of three items in your life, gadgets maybe, that you are grateful for. And as a follow-up, you might ask yourself, do I tend to take these for granted? Is there a way I could bless them or cherish them? And then taking a breath in and exhaling. I invite you to think about your senses and think with me, when last did I thoroughly get into enjoying my senses? And then a final breath in. I invite you to let yourself feel gratitude for no particular reason. Even if that means just saying silently to yourself, I give thanks. And so it is. <laughs> 